It's not about proving you can do it once. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. It's about showing you can do it again. Why not cash money Middleton? Giannis down the lane and a man slams. It's Holiday. Floats it off the Boom. Good. Let's talk Bucks. We're going to listen to whatever, you know, Bud wants us to do. And we're going to go out there and compete. Game recaps, analysis, and previewing every second of playoff basketball for the reigning champs. This is Bucks at Six with Alex Strofe on ESPN Wisconsin and streaming on Wisconsin On Demand. It is Bucks at Six. It's about proving you can do it again. Unfortunately, the Bucks unable to prove that over the weekend as they fall in seven games to the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals. The title defense is a exhale. And we grieve. We'll, we'll, we'll grieve together. 800-990-3776 is the first Midwest Bank talking text line. 800-990-3776. We're about 48 hours removed now from the final minutes of the Milwaukee Bucks season. How are you feeling 48 hours removed? Maybe which stage of uh, grief are you in? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance? Where are you at 48 hours removed? And what bugs you the most about losing that series to the Boston Celtics? I'll get to my answer here in a moment, but appreciate you hanging out with us tonight here on Bucks at 6 across ESPN Wisconsin, 94.5 ESPN in Milwaukee, 100.5 ESPN in Madison. I'm Alex Strofe hanging out with you all the way until 7 o'clock as we get to put a bow on the 2021-2022 season for the Milwaukee Bucks again as they fall to the Boston Celtics in seven games, the seventh game, of course, on Sunday. So about 48 hours removed. How are you feeling? Where are you at? Who are you mad at? Are you mad at Mike Budenholzer? Are you mad at George Hill? Are you mad at Drew Holiday? Who who are you mad at? Who do you place the most blame at? end of the playoffs would love to hear from you we'll have the phone lines wide open all night 800-990-3776 no guests tonight as uh, we're just gonna grieve we're gonna we're gonna do a good old-fashioned grieve session for the next hour as we uh, again put a bow on this season for the milwaukee bucks so seven games with the celtics and it felt like that Oh, boy, it felt like almost double that, uh, especially for a guy like Giannis and Tenacumpo, who just had maybe the most banana series we've ever seen um, You know, the, 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 over the course of those seven games, two, over 200 points, over 100 rebounds. Um, you know, he, he was just terrific the entire way. And as it got down to the last few minutes on Sunday for Giannis, yeah, he looked gassed. He looked exhausted. And I, I imagine so, right? Because the, the the load that Giannis had to carry without Chris Middleton, it's just too much for one superstar, right? Like, he did it as well as anybody else could do it. He had 25 points and 20 rebounds on Sunday. Like, he carried that load as well as anybody in the NBA could have. I, I'm ready to say that, right? Like, I view Giannis as the best player in, in the NBA at this point. I don't think that's a hot take. I, I think he's proven that over the course of the last year and a half. And, uh, you know, right now, 
it is still a level of frustration. So we'd love to hear from you. 800-990-3776. Let's go to Fort Atkinson. Matt, you're on Bucks at 6. How are you feeling about 48 hours removed? I'm feeling okay. I'm ready for next year. And uh, I think Giannis did all he could. He was asked asked to do a lot. And uh, Jalen Brown even said it. He said uh, Giannis is the best player in the world. And he did as much as he could with that team. So um, I think I think Giannis is fantastic, but we, we need a few more pieces around him. And losing Chris, losing Chris lost it for us. You know that was that was what it was. Yeah, we're we're all in agreement, Matt. That I think you know if they had Chris Middleton, th- they would have won the series, right? I think we can all all agree on that. So you say they need a few more pieces. Is there any names that come to mind for you, Matt? And we'll talk more about what next year's Bucks look like in about fifteen minutes. But are there any names that come to mind for you that you would like to see the Bucks, whether it be through free agency or through a trade, go out and get? You know. I- I don't know if free agency is the answer. I don't know what that looks like for the Bucks, but I think yeah. if they keep Drew and I think if they keep Chris, um, I think those are the two pieces around Giannis that they need and they can fill in the holes because they did that uh, for years in a row. You know, you look at yeah. the net, the last couple of years, well, even a few years more back, they had Eric Bledsoe. He was, he was a decent player, but they needed a few more pieces around him. But you keep those core three, and uh, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Matt. Thanks for the call. It's Matt and Ford Atkinson. If you want to chime in on the conversation, you can do that as well. 800-990-3776 is the First Midwest Bank talking text line. First Midwest Bank is a division of Old National Bank. And to Matt's point there, right, like this core was clearly enough a year ago uh, uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and, you know, as John Horst and Mike Butenholzer often say, there's three things that need to happen for you to win in the postseason. You A, need to be good, you B, need to be healthy, and you C, need to be lucky. And the Bucks were only one of those this year. They were good. They weren't healthy. They were missing their number two option in Chris Middleton. And C, they, were, they weren't very lucky either. Uh, the, the injury breaks that they caught last year. And, and again, I, I, hate the, I hate the argument of like asterisk title for the Bucks or in the bubble, asterisk title. I hate that argument because you can only play who's in front of you, right? And you can't predict injuries. And although... You know, the Bucks caught a, caught a break with James Harden in that Nets series last year. They caught a break with Chris Paul, who wasn't 100% in the finals. Right? You, you catch breaks. And Toronto did it a few years ago, as, as you remember, when they played the Warriors and won their title. They caught some breaks along the way. It happens. You can only play who's in front of you. The Miami Heat are going to catch some breaks tonight. Marcus Smart and Al Horford are both out for the Boston Celtics tonight in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals. So you have to catch some breaks. And, and unfortunately... The Bucks didn't, and they caught the opposite, obviously, with Chris Middleton missing the final 10 games of the postseason. So we're going to go through the five stages of grief right now um, is what I want to do because I, I want to know where you're at, and I, we just heard where Matt was at. He, he's, he's at acceptance, it sounded like, right? It just wasn't their year, but they can come back with that same group and run it back, and I tend to agree with a lot of what he said there. So it seemed like Matt in Fort Atkinson was at acceptance. would love to hear where you're at, but let's run through them, right? So the five stages of grief, we're all familiar with this. Our middle school health class taught us the five stages of grief. First off, denial, which is what I was feeling on Sunday. I was yelling, there's no way the Bucks just let Grant Williams beat them. No way. No way they just let Grant Williams hit seven three-pointers. 
They really let that happen? No way they let Al Horford, the old man, have a game. No way! And then I realized, okay, yeah, that's probably not true. Yeah, it happened. It happened. It is what it is, right? we got to get over the denial. Then we moved on to the anger. That's when I'm punching walls. Not actually, for the sake of argument. Um, you know, that's where I'm just saying, you know, we, we were the better team. The Milwaukee Bucks were the better team in this series. They, they, just, they could do so much better. They just needed somebody to step up. And why the hell was Mike Bootenholzer playing George Hill, right? The anger phase. And then we move to bargaining, as we just heard Matt and Ford Atkinson say. With Chris Middleton, the Bucks would have beat the Boston Celtics. And while, yes, I agree with that argument, they didn't have Chris Middleton, and they didn't win the series. So you can bargain as much as you'd like. Yeah, if they had Chris Middleton, they really would have won that series in five games. While I, again, tend to agree with that argument, we don't know that either. So we can't bargain our way to a series victory. I think what a lot of us were feeling yesterday and Sunday night was depression. Season's over. The greatest sports memory we've had in the last decade in the state of Wisconsin is over. The run's over. The Bucks got their title last summer. They roll it into this year. Have a great year in the regular season. Have some new additions that are very fun, right? Grayson Allen was really fun. But it's over. And unfortunately, um, that is how the title defense comes to an end. Before even the conference finals, let alone the NBA finals. It fell a lot shorter than I think a lot of us anticipated. But this is the reality. And, uh, you know, as, as disappointing, right? I mean, that's the word I keep going to, as it is. Y- you're not going to get much further th- than the second round without a guy like Chris Middleton. That's, that's unfortunately the reality um, of the situation. I do want to hear from Giannis uh, because he did chime in on the whole Chris Middleton aspect. You know, obviously, they missed him dearly. I, I think, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. When a guy opens up the floor as much as Chris Middleton does for the Bucks, and you don't have that in a series against the best defensive team, debatably, in the league, yeah, you're going to struggle. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo postgame on Sunday on missing Chris Middleton and the fact that he's not going to use that as an excuse. We wasn't trying to make excuses. You know, we, you know, we don't have Chris, and now it's going to be tough for us. No, no, no. I think everybody went out there, compete, gave everything the the head, and um, you know that's what we did from game three against Chicago until game seven against Boston. You know, uh, but uh, if we had him, maybe it would have been a different uh, different story. Uh, but we didn't. Exactly, it, it could have been a different story, but you didn't have him. It, it doesn't change the fact that you weren't able to get it done. And we cannot give Giannis enough credit, which I, which I did at the top there, right? We cannot give Giannis enough credit for, for his role that he played in the series. He was absolutely freaking terrific. I mean, there was no other way around that. He played the best basketball maybe we've seen in, in three decades. I mean, the load that he carried in that series against the Celtics was absolutely superhuman. And we played a clip last week on Bucks at Six, and you heard it a lot because it was very funny, right? It was after, I believe, the Game 5 win. Uh, Giannis said, you know, do I get paid if I take a year off? This was a really physical series. And and despite all the flopping that Boston did, it was still very physical, right? That's part of the game plan. And Giannis couldn't have done a whole lot more. And that's where you lose sight of, okay, yeah, Drew wasn't very efficient. He had shots when he needed it. But he wasn't very efficient throughout the, the, the entirety of this Boston series. Where did Grayson Allen go? 
right? He had the best games, debatably, of his career, definitely of his postseason career, against Chicago. You didn't get the, that output against Boston. What happened with Brooke Lopez? They, they fed him and were really running the offense through him to a point in Game 7, at least in the first half. But where was he the rest of the series, right? Like he in games one and two, when Chris was on the floor from Milwaukee against Chicago, he was he was terrific offensively, and, and you didn't see that in the series against Boston. Bobby Portis didn't play in the fourth quarter of a game, and then the relying on him, he makes half their threes in game seven. So, a, a lot of it's confusing to me still. Uh, in retrospect, forty eight hours after the fact, I'm really disappointed. Uh, I, I am upset still. I'm not quite to the acceptance stage, I don't think, but that's that's my hope is, is what we get to here by 7 o'clock tonight is that I will be at the acceptance stage. So uh, continue ringing the phone calls. I uh, would love to hear from you, 800-990-3776. Who are you the most upset with after the fact, 48 hours removed from Game 7? Who are you most upset with? Is it Coach Putenholzer? Is it George Hill? I want to. I want to see where you place some of the blame uh, from the Bucks' loss to the Boston Celtics. So, would love to hear from you on either the talk or text line, uh, which is brought to you by First Midwest Bank, a division of Old National Bank. Uh, would love to hear from you on that. But we will dive into what next year's Bucks may look like, as well as some more post-game audio from Sunday's loss. Uh, that is next. This is the season finale, the funeral procession of Bucks at Six here on ESPN Wisconsin. Bucks at six rolling on on your Tuesday. The funeral procession rolls on. The final edition this season of Bucks at six here on ESPN Wisconsin. Alex Strove appreciates you spending your Tuesday night with me as we continue to break down the Bucks elimination from the NBA playoffs at the hands of the Boston Celtics. Who I don't think I gave them any credit in the first segment, so I'm going to take the time to do that now. The Boston Celtics are an incredibly good basketball team, incredibly well-rounded, um, and have one of the best young stars in the league in Jason Tatum on their squad. So that's a team that absolutely deserved to win that series. In fact, I think they probably deserved to win that series in six games. Um, you know, obviously the Bucks stole Game Five in incredible fashion last week. Um, but yeah, I, I view this as, as as Boston was clearly the better team throughout this series, and the Bucks certainly stole a few games. Um, so you know, going into Game Seven on Sunday, I, I was I was feeling like a pessimistic Patty. I often talk about my my pessimistic Patties or my optimistic Olivers. I was a pessimistic Patty on Sunday, rolling into Game Seven. I was not feeling good about the Bucks' chances, given the way Giannis had had, had been relied on, um, and, and given what he needed to do uh, throughout that series. So, uh, Boston, very, very good. Excited to see what this Eastern Conference Finals looks like, which begins tonight. And you can hear that game here on ESPN Wisconsin, following uh, us tonight, beginning at seven o'clock. Uh, with the tip at 7.30 between the Celtics and the Heat. But Boston's beat up from that series, too, man. Marcus Smart out tonight with a foot injury. And uh, Al Horford out as well, but that's due to health and safety protocols. So uh, those guys uh, not going to be able to play tonight for the Celtics. Uh, and they visit Miami tonight in, in Game 1. So interesting uh, stuff to keep an eye on there. But I, I, uh, I'm going to continue to grieve here because it is a tough, tough loss for the Milwaukee Bucks Sunday, and really overall, right? Like, that is not the way you envision. If you're going to lose in your, during your title defense, you don't envision losing in the second round of the playoffs, right? Like, you imagine, I thought if the Bucks were going to go down, it was going to be in the finals. 
I didn't think there was a team in the East that could beat them at full health, obviously. Uh, and, and then, obviously, without Chris Middleton, I, I just felt like, yeah, okay, maybe Boston is the better team here because offensively you're just not as diverse as you're used to, and that's that's tough to figure out, even though you had a few games to do it against Chicago, three games to do it. it it's just not easy to change everything <laughs> against a team who's so good defensively, so efficient defensively like Boston. I, I want to hear one more time from Giannis before we dive into maybe what this team looks like next year. Um, and, and Giannis... You know, he's always so good with perspective, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. He had that great, uh, you know, that great press conference after the, uh, the title last year where he talked about perspective and he talked about being humble. And, and I, I'm just so fascinated by Giannis for so many different reasons, but his perspective on things especially is something I'm so fascinated by. And he brought it again uh, after Game 7 on Sunday. Talked about, yeah, losing sucks, but, but the Giannis perspective. Here's Giannis from Sunday. Hey, I enjoyed this series. Wasn't able to win. Uh, I wish we were the team that uh, play on uh, today, Sunday, on Tuesday, but we're not. You know, have a great off season, get better. You know, feel this like what we feel right now. Uh, hopefully, can motivate you throughout the season and come back healthy and uh, ready to go. Put a chip on Giannis's shoulder. I ask for that. In fact, I'd get on my knees and beg for it. Put a chip on the shoulder. Of the best player in the NBA. That revs me up. I'm 48 hours removed, and that clip right there fires me up for next season. Because we have to talk about it with Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, that is a guy you don't want to have a chip on his shoulder if you're an opposing team. Because the last two seasons, Aaron Rodgers has had a massive chip on his shoulder, whether that's because the Packers drafted what was thought at the time to be his replacement, whether it was losses in the playoffs. You put a chip on Aaron Rodgers' shoulder, he went out and won the MVP two years in a row in the National Football League. Similarly, I think this puts a chip on Giannis. He had one of the most terrific postseason runs we've ever seen and wasn't able to get past the second round. So I, I just, I'm, I'm all for a loss motivating a superstar in whatever league it is, especially if it's a superstar I root for like I do with both Aaron Rodgers and Giannis being a Wisconsin guy. So... I, I that that really fires me up, and that motivates Giannis. Losing motivates Giannis, and I love that. I love his perspective. We're 48 hours removed, and I'm using that perspective. Giannis said that 30 minutes after the game ended. You know, I'm going to use this to get better. This is motivation. This is this is going to be added to our fuel next year. It's exciting. So let's take a look at next year. Right, the guys you know will be back are, are, are the big three, Giannis, Chris, and Drew. You likely will have Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen back as well. Uh, they're both under contract. Now, the NBA is a different beast than uh, the earlier mentioned NFL, right? I mean, trades are more likely. Trades happen in the offseason. Things get crazy in the NBA come July and August. So we don't know for sure that Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen will be around, but but given you know the contracts, I imagine – both of those guys will be back. Let's get into the player options. So I'm going to read you exactly what a player option is from NBA.com for those of you like me who are confused by contracts. I've never been super understanding of contracts. Maybe that's my ADD kicking in, but I've just never understood contracts uh, like some experts do. So from NBA.com, a player option grants the player the power to decide whether to stay for another year or become an unrestricted free agent. If a player... As, for example, a three-year contract with an option for the fourth season, 
That means if the option is exercised by the player, the contract extends through the fourth season. So, in the case of Pat Connaughton and the case of Bobby Portis, we are staring player options in the face. I'm more intrigued by Bobby Portis because he would have a salary hit of $4.5 million. I don't know a ton, again, as I just mentioned, about contracts in the open market, but my opinion would be Bobby Portis might be able to get more money elsewhere. However, I think if we've learned anything about Bobby Portis in the last two seasons, he's a Milwaukee guy, right? The fans love him. He loves the fans. He loves Pfizer Forum. He loves being a Milwaukee Buck. So despite the fact he may be able to get more money on the open market, I, and this is just my opinion, anticipate Bobby Portis will pick up that option to be back next year for the Bucks. I feel similarly to Pat Connaughton. The guy has found his groove and his role with the Milwaukee Bucks. I also anticipate he'll pick up his player option. There's a third guy with a player option <laughs> for next season on the Milwaukee Bucks roster, and I think it's a no-brainer because it's the Nassus Anacumpo. The leader of the bench mob. Uh, the guy that maybe has more energy than any other Milwaukee Buck every time they enter an arena. The guy is just revved up. He's making almost $2 million. I imagine he'll pick up his player option as well. I anticipate all three guys, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, on player options. Say that three times fast. Thanasis Antetokounmpo. There we go. All three guys on player options will pick them up and be back. That's just what I anticipate, what I think makes the most sense, which leaves you pretty much most of your guys intact, right? Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, Grayson, Pat, Bobby, Thanasis. George Hill is also under contract for next year. I don't believe he'll be on the Bucks. I, I think between, obviously, the, 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 the ridicule that Mike Butenholzer took, and we'll get to this later in the show, because of the time George Hill played in that Boston series coming off of an injury, I just think it might be time to move on from him. And whether that's him calling it quits, retiring, um, him being traded, or him just flat out being released, I, I don't know that the Bucks are going to want him back next year. So we'll see. That, that's just my gut feeling right now. Um, and then you've got some other guys who, who are lower on contracts, um, you know, who, who have a free agent hold like Sergi Baca, who's making a ton of money. Would you be surprised, uh, Chris Larson, who's running the show? I, I, I don't know if you knew this already or not, but are you aware that, that Sergi Baca is set to make about as much money as Brooke Lopez next year, Chris? Would that surprise you if I told you that? Uh, that would not surprise me considering how good of a player he was from where he came from, and I'm assuming right. what the kind of deal he got prior to his coming to Milwaukee. So, no, it would not surprise me whatsoever. Right. Obviously, Milwaukee inherits the contract. So I think that's why it surprised me, not realizing how much money he was set to make next year. Um, but I imagine Serge probably won't be a buck. Jordan Wara, I imagine he could be back. Javon Carter, same thing. Wesley Matthews is interesting. He's only set to make $1.8 million next year, um, and he way overperformed. So I'm intrigued to see what happens with him as well. But the, the takeaway that I want to get to from, from running through all these crazy numbers and all these crazy terminology uh, and, and what the expectation is for next year is most of the guys you saw play extensive minutes for the Bucks in the postseason are likely to be back next year which I think all of us would say hell yeah to because the Bucks looked really good, even without Chris Middleton in the postseason. I mean, 
I still like the Bucks. Really didn't have any business taking Boston seven games. They really didn't. Like they, they just clearly were not the better team in that series. I think was my takeaway through seven games. Yeah, I mean they gave they what did. they gave away game three pretty much. Like you say, they gave away game you know five as it was too. Five, so they should have yeah. won it in six. Uh, but if you look at next year's team for the Milwaukee Bucks, I think you need to find a guy who can create his own offense, and they're not going to have much in the way of ability to design high-priced free agents or anything like yeah. that. With with the way they're they're uh, they're structured right now, they need a guy who wants to come in to be part of a championship team, a, a guy who can who is a really good player who wants to be part of a championship team and not come in to make the kind of money that he thinks he can make. They need a guy who can come in and create his own yeah. offense, like I said. Because you know, when Chris Middleton was out, the only guy that could create his own offense was pretty much Giannis. I mean, Grayson Allen shot great throughout the season. He had like what five attempts for three per game. He shot about forty percent. Mm-hmm. And in the playoffs, he crapped the bed. It was like fifteen of whatever fifty or something like that from three. Couldn't hit anything. Pat Connaughton couldn't hit, any, hit anything in Game Seven. There was nobody really to create their own offense other than Giannis. And by the end of the series, he was dog tired. So they need yeah, somebody no. who can come in and create their own offense, I think. And they need somebody who can put aside their ego and the ability to make a lot of money that they think they can make if they want to be part of a championship team. Chris, the way you ended that makes me think you have somebody in mind. Put aside the ego. Don't make as much money as you think you could. Who? who do, you have somebody in mind. That, uh, make, that leads. Do I'm, you not or do you? Just, t- just off the top of my head, some guy that, that uh, Dennis Schrader or uh, Schroeder from, uh, from Houston. Okay. Is a guy that comes to mind who can maybe come in and, and do that and be part of a championship team and not make the kind of money he wants to make or uh, that he think he deserves he can make. Uh, I'd have to look at the rest of the free agents out there or guys that can maybe possibly pick up that can be fall in that category, but that's just the guy that comes off the top of my head uh, right away. Interesting. Okay. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's an interesting name. That's an interesting thought. And I agree with you, right, from the, from the terms of finding a shot creator and somebody that can spread the offense. Uh, when you look at the top of the list, of unrestricted free agents for next year. Zach Levine is a name that pops up uh, to me, right? Like, he's going to make way too much money for the Bucks to sign him. So I don't think that's realistic. But I will mention the fact him and Bobby Portis are like best friends. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Zach Levine is an unrestricted free agent after this year. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see, you know, what the Bucks do. I can't anticipate what trades they'll make or who they'll be interested in because if we've learned anything during the NBA offseason the last few years – John Horst is mostly unpredictable, right? Like, going to get Drew Holiday, we knew they were in the market for a great point guard upgrading over Eric Bledsoe, but did we really anticipate Drew Holiday, and especially what Drew Holiday would be able to do for the Milwaukee Bucks? I don't think we anticipated that as much as maybe we we lead ourselves to believe. So I think, Chris, to your point, the top four, Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, will be back. And they need a fifth. I think they need to find a, a, a fifth starter um, is what they'll be looking for because I don't think Grayson Allen consistently is necessarily what you're looking for is that fifth guy. Wesley Matthews, same thing. I think you're looking for somebody who, as good as Wes is defensively, come in and create some shots. And then you take some pressure off of Giannis. You take some pressure off of Chris. You take some pressure off of Drew. And all of a sudden, oh boy, this offense can really make things work. The other thing, Chris, I would say before we get to a break that, that I hope the Bucks address this offseason is a consistent three-point shooter. I know Chris Middleton is that. I know Grayson Allen has the potential to be that. But I would really like to see them make a splash, whether that be, again, through a trade or through free agency, 
the guy that can come in, create shots, and hit some threes because that that was drastically needed uh, in that in that series against Boston. The stat that Justin Garcia, who you hear on the Bucks Radio Network, and, and who, who was great enough to join us several times throughout uh, this program's run the last month. He kept throwing this stat out after the game on, on Sunday, after the loss. The Bucks made 53 less threes than the Celtics in that series. They were outscored from outside by 159 points throughout seven games in that series. Yeah, that ain't going to work. 159 points. Like, that is a drastic mark. That is huge. So I, I know Chris would have changed that, and we could talk about that all we want. But you really need somebody who can come in and make threes beside Chris. Because I don't know if it's fair to say, hey, Chris, uh, if this series goes seven games, you think you could maybe make, I don't know, 55 three-pointers? You think that's fair? Because yeah, I don't. I, I don't think asking somebody to make eight threes a night consistently is super fair. So I would like to see somebody paired up with those four names, Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, who can, as Chris said, create some offense and also make a couple three-point buckets. We will go around the NBA next, and frankly, I want to know, do you care about the NBA playoffs anymore? Hit me on the text line, 800-990-3776. That's the First Midwest Bank text line, also the talk line. First Midwest Bank is a division of Old National Bank. Do you care? about the rest of the playoffs. Just a quick yes or no. Shoot me a text, 800-990-3776. We'll get to some of your responses as well as go around the NBA. That's next. It's Bucks at 6 here on ESPN Wisconsin. Yeah, Bucks at 6 rolling on on your Tuesday night. The season finale of Bucks at 6. The funeral procession of Bucks at 6 and the Bucks season. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm Alex Strofe, hanging out with you live across ESPN Wisconsin. Uh, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit here uh, because, you know, it's the last episode. I'm going to do that. So during the break, uh, Chris Larson, stats, comes into my ear and says, Hey, man, we've got uh, we've got Roberto and Racine on the line. Uh, he wants to talk. And I said, Okay, great. What, is, uh, what does Roberto want to talk about, Chris? And Chris responds with, He wants to talk about the Bucks." Yeah, Chris, uh, I, I figured. Thank you for, for your contribution there. As this is Bucks at Six, so we'll go there. We'll go to Roberto and Racine, and we'll see what Roberto uh, has on his mind 48 hours removed from the Bucks loss on Sunday to the Boston Celtics in Game 7. Roberto, hello. You're on Bucks at Six. How are you? Fine. Evening. Thank you for taking my call, Alex. Of course. Uh, to answer your got? question before, the, um, is yes, I'm still interested in the playoffs because it's a playoffs and this year even particularly more because of how messed up the losses our loss for one and then on the west western conference those losses were ridiculous (laughs) so it's going to be interesting to see who comes on top Uh, it's you know but for the bucks you know it's like i've been listening to you guys and a lot of good points we just have to see what um the front office does for us for next year no, you're, you're right on, Roberto. Thank you for the call, buddy. And uh, Roberto re- responded to my claim, do you really care about the playoffs with his best Jim Mora impression, right? Playoffs? I love the playoffs. It's the playoffs. Nicely done by Roberto there in Racine. Appreciate the call. You can get into the conversation as well, 800-990-3776. That's the First Midwest Bank. Talking text line, First uh, Midwest playoffs. Bank. <laughs> playoffs? First Midwest Bank is a division. Uh, playoffs? <laughs> 
Louisville National Bank. Uh, that's Roberto and Racine, is that Jim Mora, Chris? Which one of those was that? Yeah, it's hard to decipher. It sounds like both yeah, of them. It is. And it's time now, though, to go around the NBA, which... Uh, Roberto cares, so we're going to do it. We're going to do it for Roberto tonight, Chris. He's Chris Larson of Alex Strofe. Each and every edition of Bucks at Six, Chris Larson caters some of the big headlines in the association. He throws them at me. I react. He reacts. We all react together at this point. For the final time this season, Chris, I say... Boom shakalaka. And I say he's on fire. And unfortunately for the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics are on fire as they're headed to the Eastern Conference Finals starting tonight. Game one down in South Beach between the Celtics and the Heat. It's a rematch of the 2020 Eastern Conference Finals uh, that uh, went the Heat's way. So Boston with a little revenge on their mind, perhaps. But that game starts tonight at 7 o'clock or 7.30. You can hear it right here across your ESPN Wisconsin stations right here, 94.5.5 ESPN 100.5 100.5 ESPN in Madison. We'll get you started with pregame at 7 o'clock right after Bucks at 6 tonight. But we got that game going on tonight's trophy. Yeah, we do. And as I mentioned a bit earlier, Chris, it's really interesting without Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year, with a foot injury from uh, that really and violent series with Milwaukee um, and Al Horford now in health and safety protocols. So the Celtics. Oh, man, it's just tough. It's a tough break for them. But but as we talked about a bit earlier, right, the playoffs are about getting lucky. And it seems like the Miami Heat getting a little lucky tonight in terms of not seeing the defensive player of the year uh, with a foot sprain. And as I mentioned, Al Horford in health and safety protocols. So they're catching a break. And, again, as I said earlier, all you can do is, is, is face who's in front of you. Now, Miami is without Kyle Lowry, but they still have Jimmy Butler. They still have Bam Adebayo. They still have. Tyler Harrow. They still have Max Strews, who's kind of come out of nowhere and put on a show a couple times this postseason. So, uh, I like Miami in this game, Chris. I'm still undecided uh, on who I like in the series. I think it's probably Boston, but they do have to steal one on the road, and obviously, it depends on the availability now of Marcus Smart as we roll out in this series. Again, out tonight with a foot sprain, uh, suffered in that series against the Bucks. So, Depending on his availability, I like Boston, but I wouldn't be shocked uh, whichever way this series goes. I think it's going to be a really, really good one. I think both series are going to be solid. I think this has the potential, though, to be the better series of the conference finals. Yeah, I believe Boston has to win one of these two games, either game one yeah. or game two, and take it back to uh, to Boston. And with Marcus Smart being out, obviously this is going to be a lot tougher tonight or without Horford as well. So maybe game two is what they're looking at to maybe try and steal that one. But I think Boston wins this series in six games. Miami is a very strong defensive squad, but they don't pose much of a threat offensively like the Nets or the Bucks did. And yeah. the Heat, they always come to play. But the Celtics, to me, they feel like the more complete team from top to bottom, and they're playing the better basketball right now. I think they're 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 humming along. Their role players are peaking at the right times in terms of confidence. They're deeper without a weak link. Uh, the Heat are one of the only few opponents in the NBA that can match Boston's physicality. But I think yeah. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're just simply too locked in right now to be denied. And I think for Boston, Milwaukee was the huge hurdle, and now the Celtics, I think, are ready to take that next elusive step. And like I mentioned earlier, with this being a rematch of the 2020 NBA or Eastern Conference Finals, they could have a little revenge on their mind, too. So I like Boston in six games in this series. Okay, I like that prediction, Chris, and I agree, right? I mean, Jason and, and uh, Jalen are just humming, I think was the term he used. And I totally agree with that. I think everything they've done, uh, or everything they did, rather, in that Milwaukee series showed they can take that next step, and, and I do think they will. I agree. And for sake of argument, Chris, 
I would rather see Boston in the finals. I think, you know, and I'm sure we'll get to the Western Conference finals here in a second, but I anticipate that Boston would put on a better show in the NBA Finals on the grandest stage that the association has to offer than Miami. But again, I I really don't think there's a weak link from either of these teams. I think they're both very, very sound and uh, would provide a nice challenge for whoever wins the West, although I am strongly leaning one way. Yeah, I don't think just to finish wrap up on the, the Boston Miami series. I yeah. like I mentioned with the, with Boston winning one of the first two games here. I don't think the Heat can win in Boston. I think they lose all three of those games in Boston. So I think that uh, if they can, if the Celtics can steal the, one of these games, next two games, that they're going to win the series in six. So, but moving on to the Western Conference Finals, let's start tomorrow night. You can listen to it right here across our ESPN Wisconsin airwaves. Battle tested Warriors taking on the surging Mavericks. The battle tested Warriors dispatched the feisty Grizzlies team. But Luka Doncic has been an all-time terror. He turned back yeah. the once-vaunted Suns. Uh, the, the blow a 52-point lead at one point for the Mavs in that win against the, against the Suns. So we'll see what happens in the Western Conference Finals, which start up tomorrow night in San Francisco. Yeah, so let me start with this, Chris. I've been very open uh, during the run of this show the last month or so. Giannis, and rightfully so, is by far my favorite player in the NBA. Maybe my favorite NBA player ever. But not far behind... Luka Doncic. I mean, the way he responded, and I think what won me over even more, Chris, after Game 7, when at halftime, Luka had 27 and the Phoenix Suns had 27, he said, did you know, or somebody, he was asked at the press conference after the game, did you know you had the same amount of points as the Suns at halftime? He chuckles and goes, yeah, of course I did. I mean, that's just awesome. It was just awesome to see what he was able to do in that Game 7, just totally blowing the Suns out of the water. Um, And it's fun, right? Like, it's fun to have new teams. Neither of the teams that were in the Finals this last year will be in the Finals this year. And I think that's the one positive I'll take away from this, right? Because, of course, as a Bucks fan, die hard. I would much rather see Milwaukee in the Finals, but if they're not going to be there, I want new blood, and we're going to get that uh, this year. Now, on to this series, Golden State and Dallas. I think the juice is going to run out for Dallas. The magic that they had in that series against Phoenix, I just don't view Golden State as good, or excuse me, I don't go view Phoenix as good as Golden State. I think they, and we've said this the entire run of the playoffs, I think they are the best team in the Western Conference, if not the entire NBA. And yeah, battle-tested was a good word to describe them because Memphis was able to poke some holes. I just don't think Dallas will be able to do it four times. So I will take Golden State in six games in this series. So, And I assume you'll agree. I'll let you make your pick. But I say Golden State-Boston in the finals. I'm taking Golden State in six as well. The Warriors are going to expect a fuller roster this time around than they had against the Grizzlies. Steve Kerr is going to be back from the health and safety protocols after missing games four, five, and six against Memphis. Andrew Iguodala could return as early as Friday for game two after missing the past seven playoff games, including the entire series against Memphis. He had that neck injury. Injury. And also, Otto Porter, Otto Porter Jr. appears to be back for game one after missing the last two games with a sore right foot. Yeah. But it all rests on Curry, Thompson, and Green, right? And how yeah. much depth they can have behind them. I think the Warriors just have too much depth for the Mavericks and Luka Doncic and, and, the, and the Mavs. And it seems like inevitable too. How will Luca, you know, top himself in this series? I exactly. mean, he dominated against the Jazz at 29 points per game. The Suns, he had 32 points per game. While also leaning on his supporting cast, I just don't think the Mavs have enough in the way of a supporting cast to Chris, maximize I think, I think the individual the dominance of Luca. 
Yeah, I think we're almost to the point, Chris. We're like, I don't think we can doubt Luca anymore. I don't no. think we can put a ceiling on what that guy's capable of, similarly to, to what we do with Giannis, right? No. Like, we always think, how the hell's Giannis going to top that? And he doesn't. And I think Luca's just about to the same point. So I will disagree with you slightly there, but like, I agree overall with your point, right? Like, I don't think he can single handedly lift them past Golden State. No, he's, he's maximized, I think, his individual dominance, but. And he's elevated the play of his teammates around him, but can he get to that up, up next echelon to beat a Warriors team that their depth should prove it to be too much to overcome, I think, for the Mavs? So with that, I'm taking the Warriors in six games with a Golden State-Boston NBA Finals. Yeah, that would be fun. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, and, and yeah, I think that that's the most fun series we can make of the four teams left. Like, Dallas would be a lot of fun in the finals. I just don't think they have the firepower uh, to get there. And same with Miami. But, uh, again, I think that series is more of a toss-up than the Western Conference. Um, that will do it, I assume, for the uh, for around the NBA. That'll do I know it. We have to get the, I know we have to get the break here. Um, our last segment of this season's Bucks at 6. Coming up next, I've got a couple things I want to hit on. Number one. What the hell has my life come to? What am I going to watch tonight? I'll tell you that next, as well as I'm going to defend Mike Budenholzer one final time. That's next. Bucks at 6 here on ESPN Wisconsin. We end Bucks at 6 this year on a couple notes. I'm Alex Strofe hanging out with you until 7 o'clock. Chris Larson, Alex Gravatt running the show here across ESPN Wisconsin. I have a few final thoughts uh, on Mike Budenholzer, which we'll get to in just a couple of seconds. But first off, I need to acknowledge what's happening right now uh, in front of me. I'm at the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios, uh, downtown Madison, Wisconsin. And I have two TVs in front of me. I'm staring at two different TVs. The one on the left uh, is showing a pregame show for somebody to handpick ping pong balls. That would be, of course, the NBA lottery coming up in about five minutes, uh, which, of course, has no effect on the Milwaukee Bucks. They're too good to be in the lottery. The TV, however, on the right, which is tuned to ESPN2, <laughs> has cornhole on it. And not only is it just a game of cornhole, we've got Mike the Situation Sorrentino from Jersey Shore fame playing cornhole. The Milwaukee Bucks lose, and this is what my life has become. Very fun stuff. All right, last thought uh, for this season of Bucks at six here, as we've got a few minutes before we wrap up. And that would be in the defense of Mike Bootenholzer. I know we've got a lot of couch coaches and recliner general managers using the cesspool we know as Twitter who criticize Mike Bootenholzer's decisions throughout the course of not only this series, the entire season. But the one that kept popping out was the George Hill one. And I'm with you, right? Like, I don't understand why George Hill was on the floor. It is what it is. Mike Bootenholzer, after the game, I, I want to hear this piece of audio and then I will I will get to my final defense. It's never all of one, and it's never all of the other. And um, I, I, you know, I think the question with Giannis and Drew is fair. And and but you know maybe the whole group. I, I you got to play. I mean they they have the same amount of rest we did. They have you know it's, just, it's the same schedule, same trigger. Um, you know fatigue is is part of sport, and uh, we just. We weren't good enough, and um, you know, were there? I, I don't know what the reasons why, but it's it's just unfair to probably speculate or, or do anything like that. We just didn't get it done. Just didn't get it done. That's Mike Budenholzer after Game Seven's loss uh, on Sunday. So 
I, I asked Greg Matzik, who's the sports director at 620 WTMJ uh, in Milwaukee, and he followed the Bucks all postseason long. He's at every game, no matter the city. And I asked him about Mike Budenholzer, and I said, you know, why, why, is he, like, why was he making some of the decisions he was? And his answer, simply put, was Mike Budenholzer is stubborn. And then that got me thinking, right? When we think of all the great coaches in sports, they seem to have that quality in common. John Wooden, Vince Lombardi, Bill Belichick, stubborn as hell. So is Mike Budenholzer. He's going to go with his gut, go with what he believes is right, and he thought George Hill, the veteran, was the best play in in that situation, and uh, among other things. I trust Mike Budenholzer because he got the job done last year, and I have no belief and no takeaway from this postseason that tells me Mike Budenholzer is not the best option for the Milwaukee Bucks. I frankly believe he is, and I think he will continue to be the best option as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, for several more years. Because he got Giannis to the level Giannis is at, or helped him get to the level that he's at. That will do it. Four bucks at six this season. A huge thank you to Chris Larson for producing the show throughout this season. A huge thank you to you for hanging out with us as we overreact to the Bucks. Appreciate you coming along for the ride. That'll do it. This has been Bucks at Six here on ESPN Wisconsin.